Networking is really important for your business because if you're not getting in front of people, people forget about you and think of others. It's a tough part of life. And my mission is to help people. Being the right hand person and tour guide to get you from where you are to where you wanna be. You get inspired by something and in a way it actually makes you even more brave. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome listeners to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR 710, the voice of New York. I'm Elizabeth Gearhart. Normally I'm here with my co-host Richard Gearhart, but he's not here today. So we have the wonderful Kenya Gibson from iHeart stepping in. Hi, Kenya. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. Today I'm just going to do like a real quick intellectual property thing. One thing I wanted to say was for those of you who don't know what the blanket term intellectual property covers, because it gets complicated very quickly. It covers patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets. And so you need a patent when you have an invention. You have to go to a patent attorney to see what can actually be patented. And then when you have a company, you really do need a trademark. So you need to trademark your name so somebody else doesn't take it and use your brand awareness. Your brand equity, what you've built up. You guys actually, Gearheart Law helped me with that. I had a very big, and I will not say the name, mobile company use a name that I created in one of their advertisements. And I was like, wait a minute, that's mine. And I was able to go to Gearheart Law and Richard was able to help me trademark everything and get everything, you know, locked and loaded because you never know who's out there trying to use your idea. I don't think it was intentional. I think that it just was like a clever, catchy saying, but you know, it happens and you want to make sure that your intellectual property and your ideas are protected. Exactly. And then copyright covers anything that's written. It covers sounds, it covers music, it covers artwork, it covers works of authorship, pretty much anything like that. And so That's what intellectual property means, patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And they each cover a different thing. Although sometimes trademarks and copyrights can kind of overlap. So people might get both of those for the same thing. So that's what we do at Gearheart Law, what my husband does. I do the marketing for Gearheart Law. He's the attorney and he has a few attorneys on staff and they're all very specialized in what they do. So the other thing I wanted to bring up is that our executive spotlight, we have asked our executive spotlight people to make a contribution to charity for being on the show. And everybody has been very gracious. And our executive spotlight today is Clavella Pergola. I don't know if I said that right, but Carrie will be interviewing her. And she has made a donation to the Fisher Center for Alzheimer's Research. And thank you for that, because we feel that it's very important to give back. And we're just thrilled that these people coming on the show want to do that. And as I had mentioned before, my big charity right now is St. Jude's. And that's my Christmas present is donations to St. Jude's. Kenya, do you have any place special to you? Well, I mean, I work a lot with kids in the faith. And I think that, you know, this time of year, especially with a lot of kids who aren't going to have maybe the usual or who normally don't get a lot for Christmas. um, I do a lot with Operation Christmas Child, which I think is a great organization. It sends shoeboxes across the world to all different kids of all different walks of life and just kind of really shows them the love of God and what it means to feel love and to feel welcome. So that's something that I've always kind of been involved with, especially around the holidays. Excellent. So that's our intro. Without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest speaker today. Now, I've been in New Jersey for a while and people have told me for a few years now, 
you got to meet Dan Pincus. You don't know Dan Pincus? You got to meet Dan Pincus, Elizabeth. I'm like, okay. So I finally met Dan Pincus and uh, we had a wonderful conversation. I'm not going to say a lot about what he does because he explains it much better than I, but welcome, Dan. Tell us, what are you doing these days? Thanks for having me here on the show. Well, everyone knows that, you know, networking is really important for your business because if you're not getting in front of people, people will forget about you and think of others. So um, one of our mantras is not what you know, it's who you know. And it's really true because uh, most people, even if they're good at what they do, if people aren't aware of them, they're not obviously using them for their services. So one of our key things is to get in front of the right people and to make sure that people remember you so that they, when they need you, you're there for them. Excellent. And one way that you do this, that you've been doing it, and you still kind of did it a little bit over the summer too, was you go to some of the very best golf courses there are. And for people who don't golf, they still have really good food and wine. <laughs> so it's a fun day. And you bring small groups together of people that are at the same level in their companies to really get to know each other. Yeah. So uh, we, we found that if you're going into a general networking audience, a lot of people are not decision makers and they may have all the best intentions, but because they can't make decisions, they have to go to their boss or their boss's boss to get things done. So one of the things that we do in our program is we only allow decision makers in the room so when you are spending the time together, you know that you're spending with people who can directly help each other and work together. That makes a lot of sense. You know, Dan, I have a confession to make. I am not the best golfer. I enjoy golfing, but I'm not that great at it. And my drive is terrible, but I'm okay on the green. One of the things I'll say though is, I learned this a long time ago that a lot of business deals get done on the golf course. Golf is a game of integrity and good sportsmanship. So, you know, I just want you to talk a little bit about why you decided to blend golf with this network and why that was important to you to make the two connect. It's funny. We have a tagline in our group. It's called, it's not about golf. It's all about business. We actually do not keep score in our program. Unlike most uh, golf leagues, our program is completely about the relationship base, getting to know who's who and really not talking about business, but getting to know each other as people first. And people typically want to work with those who they know, like, and trust. So what we do is we actually take all the stress out of the golf process. As a matter of fact, we even have a beginner golf membership for those who don't play golf where you can get golf lessons until you feel comfortable playing golf with everybody. We just want to make sure everyone's comfortable, happy, and in a, in a social environment, which is easy. But golf is really interesting because unlike any other sport or any other activity, you get to learn if a person cheats, you get to learn if a person lies, you get to learn how that person handles stress, how they communicate with others. You learn more about a person over a round of golf than you will almost in anything else. I can still go, right? Because I can hang out on the veranda and network there. You're 100% right, Liz. We actually have a non-golf membership for those who do not want to play golf or have no interest in it. We have um, basically, a, it's a, a dinner and a cocktail hour before dinner starts where people actually are sitting in tables of eight. So they really get to know the people at their table. Again, all decision makers. So you're really meeting the right kind of people who could help you with your business. What are you doing now that COVID's going on? And like, what's it like golfing in social distancing on the golf course? We're actually really fortunate. Most uh, networking organizations have either closed down or gone completely virtual. Because our program is outdoors primarily, we have our dinners and cocktails outside. Our, obviously, golf is outside. It's actually uh, set up where it's really spaced out. So what we do is we um, have bigger tables than you really need and have people spaced in, in tables where they have room between each other. And there are only eight people, as I mentioned, to, to, to a table. The tables are spread out as well. So people don't feel like they're on top of each other. People like to get in front of each other. Uh, one of our members actually said to me, I feel like you're the warden from the jail letting us out of prison. 
we finally get to go out and meet people and say hello to people and actually not be ever doing everything over a computer. So there's a lot of value to getting face-to-face with the right people. Well, Dan knows from our time talking earlier that I am also 100% awful at golf, except the mini version, the kind with the windmills. And I'm pretty crappy at that too. <laughs> but I, it is something that I, I would like to learn. And I know that it's not just about the golf. It is about the networking and it's about how, you know, who you meet and, and how you meet them. What happens in the wintertime? Can you still play? Now I'm asking because it's snowing outside of my window and I'm thinking this does not look very pleasant, but I could be wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. So Carrie, part of our program is not just a group events. We also do a private introductory program for our members. We have a database of between six and 7,000 executives in New York and New Jersey. That database is used to help our members meet exactly who they want to get access to. We actually do private meetings right now. A lot of them are virtual. And again, some people, whether they're golfers or non-golfers during the off season, We'll get together over a cup of coffee or a breakfast and whatever, whatever makes sense. You can do whatever wine, whatever floats your boat. That sounds much more up my alley. And, and I'm sure that a lot of people that join your network, they probably connect outside as well, outside of your network. So you meet folks and then the conversations kind of carry outside of the initial meeting. 100%. It's the, the members themselves get to know each other uh, almost as family. It's not even friends. We've been doing this for almost 18 years now. So people really know each other really well who's been in the program for a long time. And the new people coming on board very quickly get to know the people. And because it's so social and so not confrontational, where it's literally people are, are inviting you in as their friends, they want to get to know who you are, what you do, why you are who you are. It's more on a personal level than a business level, quite honestly. So Dan, you've really spent a lot of time building this up. You've been very successful with it. What tips do you have for entrepreneurs? A lot of people are trying to start networking groups now. And starting groups, I just watched a WhatsApp presentation where the guy's like, oh, you got to start your own group on WhatsApp. I'm like, oh my gosh, not another one. But what, what tips do you really have for entrepreneurs and business people who want to expand their networks and want to be successful? Right. Well, the first thing is like anything else, like in any business, you've got to know who your audience is because basically people don't want to waste their time. And one of the things which a lot of people do, unfortunately, unsuccessfully, is they just put a general audience together of anyone. And when you do that, it's a potluck situation and a lot of people waste their time going through that process. When you know who your audience is, you know who you wanna bring in the room. So for us, as an example, we reach out to a B2B audience. And the reason why is because we know that the B2B space are natural referral partners for each other. We don't want people selling each other, we want people referring each other. And with that in mind, we want to bring in people who are natural referral partners. So what we do is we invite people in who are members of our system who could take advantage of our network. So when we bring someone in, we don't just bring anyone in. We ask them, who do they want to meet? And before we accept them in the group, if we don't know those people, we're not going to accept them as a member. But if we think, oh, we can help that person, that's a great person to join the group. And now they're going to have more value being part of our group. So you want to make sure that you know who your audience is and you make sure you're not wasting people's time because that's really what most people hate about networking. And the second thing is you want to make sure it's convenient for people. If it's going to be too far away or too many times, they're not going to want to put the effort in to make it work. So you got to make sure you do things which make sense for who you're bringing in. Do people need to meet once a month or once a week or how often should they get together? And where should you meet? You don't want people traveling three hours to go to your events. So make sure you basically, whatever you do, you, you keep the people that you're in your group in mind whenever you're running your events. So your common denominator is decision makers. Do you cut across all industries? Is it mostly white collar? Do you have like plumbers and landscapers? It's easier to say who we don't have than who we do have. And the reason why is because, again, this is a business development group for any really business who wants to grow their business. But when people 
people are difficult to refer, then it's hard for us to help them in our group. So as an example, we don't have government agencies because how are you going to refer a government agency to our, in our group, right? Uh, we don't have people who are in retail non-hospitality. So we'll have like hotels and restaurants and those kind of companies, but we're not going to have uh, Nordstrom's or Macy's or those kind of companies in our group. We also don't have too much in the medical area because it's very difficult to refer a hospital or a pharmaceutical company, but we do have physical therapists or we might have chiropractors or someone who's going to be able to work within the audience of the people that we have in the group. We don't have manufacturing type companies because again, how do you refer a manufacturing company to other people? So it's got to be something where you say, okay, that person can be using 12 different people in the room and whatever you need, we have the access to those kind of people. So I always say it's a great example. When you open up a business, what do you need when you open your business? You need a commercial real estate broker to find your space. You need a computer company to put in your computers and your tech and everything else. You need uh, office furniture. You need someone to move that into your space. You need an accountant and a lawyer and insurance and, you know, it goes on and on all, all the people you need to help run your business. And that's, that's who we have in the room. Dan, how many times a week or like, what's the average of meetups that you have within your network? The group meets once a month on average, but we do private meetings with our members based on availability. So as an example, you might be really busy with your business, you know, during the months of June, July, and August, but in September, it might open up for you. So you'll do a lot of more private meetings with us during the months of September and October, so we can actually use our database for your benefit and get access to who exactly who's good for your business. Do you also teach people how to network? Because it's changed. I mean, there were all the speed networking things and now people are like, oh, it's based on relationships. So you don't really want to go up to somebody and say, here's my card. You need to call me. And if you don't call me, I'm going to call you every week for the next 52 weeks until you need me. <laughs> That's not, doesn't work anymore, right? No, it doesn't work. I actually have, uh, from days gone by, I've been doing this for so long. I used to have a segment video too called Just One Thing. And I used to teach people how to network and how to really not do the wrong things. And people learn sometimes better from seeing what people are doing rather than actually hearing it. So by having it on video, actually it worked, I think, a lot better for some people. And as you mentioned, a lot of people will walk around with a bunch of business cards and they'll give it out to everyone in the room and say, oh, here's, here's what I am. Here's what I do. They don't even say who they are yet, but they already given the business card out like it's candy. You shouldn't be speaking to anyone until you know what they do and how you could be of help to them. Because if they look at it from a standpoint, you're selling them, they're turning you up before they even listen to you. You need to basically get some sort of a bond, you know, find out who they are and find out if you can help them or can't help them. It's about building a relationship. And when people understand that networking has nothing to do with sales and all about relationship building, they'll do so much better in networking. I was going to say too, a terrible golf game could be a great icebreaker. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're not slow. <laughs> right. So right. yeah, Kenya, one of the things I also say in my group, if you're playing golf, it's not a sin to play bad golf. It's a sin to play slow golf. I'll have to speed it up for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually am the fastest golfer you'll ever meet because I was taught that when I learned how to play. And they said to me, honestly, Dan, no one cares if you're good or bad in golf. They just care if you're fast or slow. See, that's something I could tweak then for sure. Liz, as you mentioned, uh, you know, we are always looking for business owners and decision makers who we not only to join our group, but also to be referral partners for our members. We keep adding to our database of quality high-end people. And the goal is really to just keep the audience growing so everyone does more work together and helps each other. We actually are expanding our program as well. Right now we're in North Jersey, which covers basically lower Westchester, Manhattan, and North Jersey. But we're about to open up chapters in the Philadelphia region, as well as Long Island and Central Jersey. So as we open up more groups, we're going to be access to more people as well, which is great. So what's the most exclusive golf club you've gone to? All of our clubs that we play now are private country clubs. 
So unless you're a member of that club, you're not going to have access to those clubs. So our clubs in general are pretty elite clubs. We, we play courses from the area of Rockland County, New York, where it's Paramount Country Club to courses like Trump National and Hackensack and Upper Montclair. And, you know, they're really all over the place and they're all beautiful clubs. But the key thing is that we keep them all within a radius of no more than 30 miles so that everyone's not traveling too far. So do you have to be a member to go? If, you have, if I'm a member of your group, do I have to be a member of the golf club to go or I can go under your auspices? No. So one of the benefits of being a member of our group, not only can you go, but you can invite your clients and prospective clients as guests to these great country clubs. It's a hospitality system for you as well. So you really get a lot of value for your money then because joining all these golf clubs would be pretty expensive, right? Yeah. And it's only one day a month, which is not a big commitment for anyone. And the whole company owns the membership. So any of the owners or partners can use it. So it's kind of cool because like you said, not only are you getting access to these kind of clubs, but you're putting it on your calendar that once a month, I'm going to be at all these great places. In terms of like reaching the millennial entrepreneur and the new creatives and solopreneurs is like, is golf still a thing or are you seeing it's like kind of a lost art? I was just curious to see like how you're connecting to those younger folks who would benefit from something like this, but don't necessarily look to golf as a networking piece. So it's funny you say that we actually have a very big spectrum of people in the group. There is a higher level of older people than younger people because of the fact that to be an owner of a company, typically it takes you years to get to the point of being the owner or decision maker. But the people who are young entrepreneurs who are starting out their businesses, this is a fantastic way. And we have some people who join, whether they golf or not, to join the system to get access to the people who will actually directly help them jumpstart their business. And rather than having to go through the hoops of basically waiting their time out to get in front of these kind of people, it's an instantaneous gratification where they're building those right relationships and they're getting guidance and they're learning a lot from the people who are in the room. Listeners, you are listening to Elizabeth Gearhart and Kenya Gibson on Passage to Profit, the Inventors Show. Don't go away because after the break, we have an amazing executive spotlight, Claudio Pergola, who's going to be talking about what happens with the elder people in our society right now. And then we're going to have Susan Gantz, Do You Need a Vacation? Everybody does right now. And, and Jake makes us feel really good about drinking wine <laughs> with his company. So please stay tuned. If you missed anything, it's on our podcast tomorrow. We'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, We have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am Kenya Gibson. I am standing in for Richard today. We also have with us Carrie Barrett, an Emmy Award winning TV news anchor and now has her own 
consulting business. If you know this woman, you're in awe of her, you're impressed by her, you love her because she's also an awesome person. She's a mom, so she's dealing with all of that other chaos that all of us are dealing with right now, yet she always is the most put together person I have ever come across. And I kind of hate her for it, but I also love her. So she's got a really interesting background. She moved to the United States from Italy when she was a little, little girl. Her grandmother raised her. And part of that background, that story really dictated what she did later on in life. It's sort of the why. Thank you. So I am Clelia Pregola. I am the chief operating officer of the New Jersey Elder Law Center at Goldberg Law Group. It's a mouthful, but basically we help seniors uh, with their estate planning, long-term care planning, getting government benefits. But most importantly, we're helping the caregivers, which is something dear to my heart as I was a caregiver for six years. I'm also the author of a book called The Law Firm Revolution and working on my second book called Life Lessons and Legacy. Give us your backstory. It's fascinating. There's so much involved, but long story short is, you know, when I came over, I uh, spoke Italian. I had trouble speaking English, so didn't do well in school, definitely didn't public speak and uh, had a very old school Italian upbringing. So I was not allowed out. I was monitored every second of the day. I was never allowed to be home alone until I was 22. So I lived in a nice little bubble, Um, but my bubble burst when my grandmother had a pulmonary embolism uh, doing the bed, because if the bed wasn't done in our house, then the room was a mess. So Uh, she was in ICU for a a number of months and was told that she would never be able to even stand. And I was getting married in four months and I just rented an apartment for my first time. I was moving out of her house and I got fired that week because they thought that I was leaving for this new Jersey elder law center with one of the partners. And I in fact wasn't. So I'm pretty confident in that if I didn't jump off to George Washington at that point in my life, I'm pretty set for the rest of it. So I just happened to fall into what we do professionally. And now, like Carrie said, it's my why. I've lived the story of a caregiver and it's a tough part of life. And I, my, my mission is to help people Um, women in particular, because, you know, we're a unique breed. We're looking to always be perfect and always be there for everyone and not necessarily be there for ourselves. So I want to help women, especially let them know that they can have it all, uh, just not all at once. Yeah. Well, one thing, Chloe is very modest. So the, the connection between her and her grandmother, obviously outside of flood is her grandmother, her grandmother really was her primary caretaker, her dad, Clelia's dad took off when she was three years old and didn't come back. And so Clelia established a bond with her grandmother, perhaps deeper than even that sort of bond that you automatically have with, with your grandparents. She also, she mentioned she wasn't good in school when she, um, when she first came over to the United States but she turned down scholarships to Ivy League colleges in order to pursue what she does now. That's part of the reason anyway. And so 
Claudia, you have a bunch of stuff going on. Author, coach, um, you built your law brand really from the ground up. I, I talk to me, or talk to all of us if you can, sort of three main tips for entrepreneurs. You are an entrepreneur at heart. You've built everything that you do, like I said, from the ground up. So top three tips for entrepreneurs who may be listening to this and looking to glean a little information. Definitely don't be afraid to fail. Fail, I, I heard this a long time ago and I think it's, one of the best sayings is fail forward. Uh, don't underestimate what you're capable of. And if you fail, they say true entrepreneurs fail like seven times. So just add it to one other notch under your belt. Uh, I would say values. Make sure, you know, we talk about uh, mission, vision, and values for our companies. But I think that it's important to find out what your values are personally and uh, if you know what that is, then everything else should just fall into place. So when you're someone asks you to, you know, do a speaking engagement or, you know, can you help me with this event? If it doesn't align with your values, it should be a no. And people just know what you stand for. And it, you kind of get a lot of the, the crap out of the way, to say the least. And mentorship. I didn't appreciate the power of a mentor. And I realized that I had one the entire time. So the managing partner, Eric Goldberg, he's my mentor, and he is a true entrepreneur. And I think it's important when you are entrepreneurial, regardless of how successful you are, that you have someone else to bounce ideas off of. And when you're down, they're up and vice versa. I'm sure Elizabeth can speak to this. I think that's just so important. Can you give us, because we do have obviously elderly people who are listening and perhaps family members as too. no doubt we have family members with what's going on right now in the world in terms of the pandemic, you're so deeply embedded in this world and are aware of the concerns and the issues that people are facing. Can you give us, I don't know, a couple of, of ideas of tips, I guess we can use to help our elder family members and the people who are their caregivers navigate through this time. Sure. I mean, boy, what a unique time for all of us. The one very most important tip I can, I can give, and I'm sure you will all agree is talk to a professional, especially in the elder care industry. There is so much free advice. And if somebody makes you pay just for a conversation, you probably shouldn't talk to them. We're in a time that people need help. Uh, with mental health out there now more than ever. For us and our firm, we want to make sure that we are there to help people through a difficult time. And at the end of the day, if that conversation goes nowhere, again, that stands for our company's values. So reach out. The seniors, what they're going through right now, depending on like family dynamics, it's so hard to just give blanket advice. So like I said, reach out, have a conversation about what you're particularly going through. And if you're not going through anything, but your loved one is aging. So like if they're in their seventies, be proactive and have a conversation. Don't wait till the crisis happens. And then you're kind of just being ping ponged around the system. You have tons of great information, but I want to make sure people know about this legacy project that you're working on and the importance of passing down family values. So if you could really quickly let everybody know about that initiative. The project is Life Lessons and Legacy. It's my second book and it's so much harder than my first. It's about my story and going 
through the caregiving experience. And we all have a story here. You know, why do we do what we do? And I think it's so important that when we have the opportunity to have these platforms to know what your legacy is that you want to leave behind. And if it's actually ironic, if you look in the dictionary, legacy is about what you leave behind as far as, you know, wealth, business, and kind of what we do at the law firm. But that is not the definition that I find legacy is. Legacy is, to me, every time that I promise someone that I'm going to do something and I fulfill that promise, that reminds me of my grandfather that always said, keep your word. So, and that's something that my children will tell their friends and family about that mommy always had to do everything that she said that she was going to do. So I'm really excited about what's to come with this project. You were fabulous. It's value and not valuables. With that said, we are out of time. We are going to take a quick break. Chloe, you are fantastic. Stick around. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad is been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And standing in for Richard today is Kenya Gibson from iHeart. And we have had just a wonderful conversation. Dan Pincus has told us how you can excel in your business using high-level networking. Carrie Barrett just interviewed Ms. Pergola. <laughs> I always mess up her first name. About her books and her story and how you do with families and business and elder. it's really an interesting conversation. And now we are going on to two more fascinating people. I just love this show because we get the greatest people on here. So without further ado, I want to introduce Susan Gans and Susan and I met and she really grabbed me with her opening lines. I'm going to let her tell you what it is. Hi, Susan. Hi, Elizabeth. What I do is take business owners and leaders on a vacation. And who doesn't need a vacation right now? And why I say vacation is because it's about that future destination, what Glelia was talking about, your goals, your vision, your values, what's important to you, and figuring out where you are at your current destination. And then being the right-hand person and tour guide to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And it's unpacking the challenges that are preventing you from getting to your key strategic initiatives, whether that's growth or change or repositioning your business post-pandemic. And so if I come to you for advice for my company, let's say Fireside, 
I'm trying to do fireside on a shoestring, but let's say I did come into like a big investor fund and I wanted to come to you for coaching. So what's the first thing we would do together? So first thing is to diagnose, just like a, a doctor is to hear what's going on in your business. Number two is then as part of that diagnosis is to understand the context, like what's going on overall in the economy, what's going on in your industry, and then what is going on relative to your business. And because I, I had credit training earlier in my career, I look at what's the cash to cash cycle, meaning when an opportunity is out there, how does that opportunity eventually turn into revenue? What are all the steps in between? Because it's usually the devil's in the details. Something is going on in those steps that might be getting in the way of the revenue generation. Right. And your company is GAN Strategic Solutions, right? So I am a strategist and I also say that I am a chief of staff. And the reason I say that is because I often hear from entrepreneurs, I don't have enough time. I can't get to my to-do list. It's not getting to done. I don't know what's happening. I'm losing control and focus. And so my role is to help the entrepreneur, business owner, executive to focus on what are their priorities, remind them of their values and what they're trying to get accomplished. And part of my role is to take on all the excess and make sure they're getting to what they need to as part of the functioning of a chief of staff. I need you. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people need you, Susan. I was just going to ask, what are some of the KPIs that you use to help your clients like measure success and help them see where the growth is and what where they need to improve? Some of the KPIs are relative to one's business, but a general one is about freeing up hours in their day, especially if they're saying, I'm not getting to my to-do list. You know, I missed family dinner today and oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed that performance. This is about, are you getting to the other aspects of your life? Sort of the holistic view of, of your life. Are you getting, you know, success is, are you able to do the things that you enjoy that you wanted to do? And your to-do list is getting done. So that's the KPIs that I would look at. So when you're taking on a new client, there's so many different things people have questions about and, and there's so many open areas. Do you have some sort of a process that you like have when you start with a new client versus, you know, someone you already know and you're already working with? Sure. And the, and the process is to really do that discovery session. And I think what Clelia was saying was to have that sort of discovery session, that open session in the, the beginning, that complimentary session to see, is it a right fit? Because I'm not going to be the right fit for everybody, but it's really to understand, you know, are they committed to making change? Because some people say, yes, I want to change. And then their actions don't show up commensurate with that wanting to make a change. So it's also about asking questions to understand their readiness and openness to making a change. So that's the first thing. And then I do some assessments about what are their strengths, what are their natural inclinations, and are they aware of their blind spots that might come with those natural 
inclinations. And then it's about mapping out the business. The biggest thing that people have a problem with is change because everyone gets used to a certain um, routine and a certain comfort level. So obviously if people wanted to do the right things, they already would have done them the right things. They need someone obviously like you to, as, to coach them through that process. What is that barrier that most people have to go through to get past that comfort level to go to make that change? So there's a few things. I'm so glad you asked that question. So human beings are naturally kind of wired to resist change. People don't like change and our brains are wired to keep us safe and small. So that's already something to recognize and call that out. So I like to talk about how do you get comfortable with being uncomfortable? You think about all the change that we've particularly gone through this year, but just even over the years, I mean, who knew 10 years ago that, you know, we, we couldn't live without a smartphone and our smartphones could be used as computers and we can modify documents on the go. But who would have known that? And if we didn't embrace those changes, we wouldn't be as responsive to clients. So it's also relating it to something they already know. And to grow, it's when you're embracing all those butterflies in your stomach. I think back to my days when I was on Wall Street doing technology, and I was tasked with you know, branding and automating pitch books. And when I got handed the project, they said, oh, just one small detail. This project failed eight times prior. And oh, by the way, I didn't have any software technology development experience. So what I leaned on was psychology, which is my undergrad degree, and asking good questions and finding out why it failed. And it failed because stakeholders weren't involved. So when we involved the stakeholders early and often, I said, come join me on the roller coaster ride because we're going to have ups and downs. And I love what Clelia had to say about failing forward because you're, you're not always going to be successful, but it's about learning from mistakes as well. Well, thank you, Susan. Really powerful stuff. And we have to go to break now. Anybody that's just tuning in, our podcast comes out tomorrow. This has been a fantastic show so far, but we're not done yet because this next presenter is going to make you feel good about drinking wine. So we'll be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, eVine Live and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I am Kenya Gibson sitting in for Richard today. And Elizabeth, this has been such a great show so far. Oh my gosh, I just can't believe how amazing people are. <laughs> 
And we've saved the best for last, right? Wine. We're going to talk about wine. So we have Jake Cloberdance of One Hope Wine. He's here with us today to talk all things wine. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Coach Kenya, Elizabeth, and the whole crew. I don't know if it's best for last, but I think the wine part you're right about. Like we're going to end it with a good splash here. So tell us about your brand and, and, and your story and how you got started. Yeah. Well, One Hope, our purpose is to nourish the future. So that's why we exist. And we serve that purpose day in and day out through our mission to share wine and give hope to people. And so um, we started with that as our purpose and our mission From day one, we've been built on hope and rooted in purpose. And each different bottle of wine that we sell gives back to different causes across the country. We help power over 3,000 events a month that bring people together around wine to raise money and awareness for different causes. We empower over 7,000 people around the nation and growing quickly who make a part-time or full-time income off of our wine platform and are able to share wine and give hope and uh, contribute to their family's bottom line as well. And so it's a, a really unique way to bring wine to people and get people to gather around it. And there's also a purpose built into every bottle as well. So not only is it a fundraising device for people who want to raise money for their local cause of choice, but we also give back to national and global causes as a company. It's wonderful. And then how did you get it? Like, why wine? Like, how did you get involved in all of this? You know, I started in wine right out of uh, college. I went to UC Berkeley and I kind of checked all the boxes for this really big wine company. They're the largest in the world. And they hired me out of college. And my main focus was getting to Newport Beach because I had visited there while I was going to Berkeley. I took this job. It sounded really romantic to sell wine down in Newport Beach. And really, I found myself in the back of grocery stores at like 3.30 in the morning or 4 in the morning. And I would do a bunch of manual labor so that I could get the best display spots around the store. So you make friends with the liquor manager in the store, the person who runs the bread area, so on and so forth. And uh, one morning, I was stocking the shelves with canned soup, Campbell's actually, and they were giving back towards Susan G. Komen, towards breast cancer awareness in October. And then I went over to the milk box after that, and I was stocking it with Yoplait yogurt, and I noticed the lids, and they were giving back towards breast cancer. And that was when it first dawned on me that these products that were giving back towards the cause were really selling off the shelves, and I knew because I was stocking them. And I had the idea at that point, um, and that was back in 2005. I did what most people do when they have that aha moment, which is nothing, um, for about six months. (laughs) And then um, I got a call from one of my best friends from growing up and she told me that she had blood cancer and it was a turning point in my life. And I had had this idea that had been simmering on and I flew back home to see her and told her I was going to start the company. And the next day I founded it. And that was in uh, 2006, got a winemaker to make our first 168 cases, loaded them up in a public storage unit and was in business. And today we're one of the 250 largest wineries in the U.S. out of 10,000. And we're going to be the largest direct consumer wine brand in the U.S. in the next couple of years. Congratulations. I mean, that's amazing. You make it sound so seamless and simple, but I'm sure it wasn't. So what are some of the challenges along the way that you felt, you know, alluded to your success that you could share? No, it was just as easy as I made it sound, Coach Kenya. No, I'm kidding. It was a (laughs) 10 plus year overnight success is what Mm -hmm. I joke around about. And by the way, my friend, she is doing really well. She's a mom of three. 
Her name's Morgan, and she's been over 10 years cancer-free, just to put a little closure on that. So there's a really happy ending there. But you get inspired by something, and it puts you in touch with your mortality. And in a way, it actually makes you even more brave. But it's a funny dynamic of those two things, of scaring the heck out of you and making you realize your time on earth is short, but also making you bolder and more brave. But along the way, there were tons of challenges. I mean, it's really expensive to build a wine brand. I didn't come from a family in the wine industry, so I didn't really know that much about what I was really jumping into. I was doing one little part of it and I was working with a huge company. So I had no clue how hard it was for that wine to show up at the drop-off point where the trucks unloaded it at the grocery store, you know? And I wasn't part of making the wine. And so I had to work my way back from that little final endpoint back to how it's sourced all the way back to the vineyards themselves. And over time, we've learned all parts of the industry um, versus just the sales side of it. Each little step along the way has been challenging in and of itself. And our most recent one was developing our own flagship property just north of Opus One in the heart of Napa Valley. And buying a vineyard there and developing out a home and this beautiful winery on the property, which has been another five-year overnight success. And each step was challenging. The next time I get to Napa, I'm definitely coming by there. I hope that's sooner rather than later. But I know Carrie has something to say. I'm so glad to hear you say in a 10-year overnight success and a five-year overnight success because I came into this, my business, with zero knowledge of, you know, I, I mean, I, I say this often because it's true. I was six months in before I knew what a PL was. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. I'm still a little dicey on the concept, but you ever have a moment, Jake, where you're like, holy bleepity bleep, bleep, bleep. What the heck did I get myself into? And then how do you, how do you come out of that? Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of moments like that and I'm really fortunate to have a handful of co-founders. There's six co-founders at the company. Um, and we all started early on in our career and so if one of us is in a funk, it's okay, but there's never been a day where all of us were. So surrounding yourself with great people who can pick you up when you need it the most. You know, one of my biggest jobs as CEO of the company, it doesn't show up on paper. And I tell people it's keeping the band together, you know, and so it's looking out for other people um, when they're having one of those days. And I know what the energy that I put into my partners, you get back when you need it the most. So Jake, I want to go to Dan with the last question, but one real quick question. Are all of your wines labeled under One Hope Wine or do you have different labels on them? Um, almost all of them are under One Hope Wine and you can see them all at onehopewine.com. Okay. Um, but we also have a sister wine brand, Estate 8, which is our small production kind of uber high-end, high-touch wine that we do off of the property in Napa. And then we also have a, a joint partnership with John Elway and we have created seven cellars uh, wine brand and portfolio um, with him. And so those are the three wine brands that you'd find on the site. But 95% plus of what we sell is under the One Hope brand. Jake, I want to first of all congratulate you. It's such a wonderful business you created. And you should be very proud of uh, all the people you're helping uh, while you're doing what you're doing. One question for you is you mentioned that a big part of your program is about giving to charity and giving to good causes. How do you pick those causes and what makes the cause uh, the right cause for your program? We have a 15-point guideline that we've used in the past to kind of guide us on nonprofits, and they range from everything from 
are they a 501c3 to have they been around for at least three years? Because about 90% of nonprofits don't last that long. All the way to more unique things like how many cents on the dollar go to the end cause versus administration to things like, do they have a dollar to impact ratio? Can they quantify what a dollar means in funding meals for children fighting hunger or for bringing clean water to people. And so we try to stay focused. Um, our giving strategy going forward is focused on four core pillars, hunger, water, health, and education. And there's a lot of things that go into there. And then we also give our cause entrepreneurs around the nation the ability to work with hosts to raise money for their cause of choice. So we have wine parties going on. Like tonight, we have close to 100 wine tastings going on that are raising money for their local school or their breast cancer walk or whatever cause they want. And so we have a lot of elements that allow people to raise money. We've helped raise money for over 20,000 nonprofits at that local level. But when it comes to our larger nonprofits that we donate to as an overall company, we look at those four main pillars, hunger, water, health, and education. And then we do real-time grants as well. Uh, like right now we're doing our holiday magic grants where we're making grants to families with children with disabilities who have really been disrupted by what's going on with the pandemic and making holiday miracles come true for them. Um, we've done other um, topical things like that, funding micro grants for mothers in hospitality who have lost their jobs since COVID, um, healthcare hero packages um, for our healthcare heroes on the front line and a bunch more. So we give ourselves room to do stuff real time um, we have our big overarching nonprofits that we give to year round and over the years. And then we also have a platform that allows people to raise locally. But when we think about our national and global causes, we use those guidelines. Wow. You make me want to drink way more wine than I should. <laughs> well, that's cause. the great thing about the wine too, Elizabeth, is we, our brand promise, we start at $25 or under for a, wines that are 90 point rated or more and ones that we'd be proud to have on our dinner table. My favorite right now is our red blend. It's a 96 point rated wine. That's $25 or less when you buy it. So we stand by our wine and we take our wines really seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. So it's a fun brand. It's a hopeful brand and the wine, in the bottle is really, really great. It comes from the heart of Napa Valley and some of the other best regions in California. Excellent. Well, thank you, Jake. You are listening to Passage to Profit, The Inventor Show with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and Kenya Gibson standing in for Richard, our guest, Dan Pincus, our executive spotlight interviewer, Carrie Barrett, our executive spotlight, Kalilia Pergola, and our two presenters, Susan Gantz and Jake Cloverdance. And we will be right back with Kenya's and my segments after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, 
Contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. We're on to Kenya and her power move segment. So Kenya, who's our power move for today? So I'm really excited today for power move because it's actually someone who we've had on the show before, Ricky Franco. She was on Shark Tank recently. So Ricky is the CEO and founder of Prime 6. So Prime 6 is a charcoal. And, you know, they started on Passage to Profit. They were one of the first people on the show. They came up to the studio when we were taping in Tribeca, her and her husband, Oran. They pitched on the show and they actually ended up being on ABC Shark Tank. I think it was a couple weeks ago and they ended up getting a deal from one of the sharks, which I thought was a, was a superpower move. So you never know where things are going to go when you end up on Passage to Profit. That's the moral of today's story. Well, that's true. And they actually started out with us as a Gearheart Law client. It's charcoal, but it burns longer and cleaner. It's a special shape. It's just, it's people love it, obviously, if they got a deal. And it's recyclable. So, and for every bag that they sell, they also plant a tree. So they also have that cause marketing model that's in their business model. And they're just good people all around. So I, you know, I wanted to highlight Ricky today. She, you know, she's super smart. I mean, you know, she was saying on Shark Tank to um, Damon and Kevin O'Leary, who both pitched her on being a partner, that, you know, a year ago she was selling charcoal out of the trunk of her car. And now they have a deal with one of the sharks and you can buy Prime 6 pretty much anywhere online, walmart.com, they're available. So Ricky Franco, Prime 6, today's power move on Passage to Profit. Excellent. So I'm going to just update people on fireside a little bit so for those of you who don't know i'm doing a video directory of businesses it's a youtube channel and a website it's called fireside directory dan is on it carrie's on it susan is on it kenya has done the interview she's going to be on it and i'm trying to make it the wikipedia of small business by video so i'm collecting as many interviews as i can i'm loving doing it and it's growing and word of mouth it's spreading you don't have to be an entrepreneur you just have to have a business to be on fireside so kenya gibson was my co-host you can reach her at kenya gibson with a p at iheartmedia.com you can find richard through gearheartlaw.com g-e-a-r-h-a-r-t law.com our guest is Dan Pincus with worldgolfnetwork.com. He's a wealth of information, so you can find him through his website. Clelia Pergola was our executive spotlight, and it's C-L-E-L-I-A-P-E-R-G-O-L-A.com to get a hold of her. And she was interviewed by Carrie Barrett, who has Carrie Barrett Consulting. It's K-E-R-R-Y. B-A-R-R-E-T-T, consulting.com. And Carrie is now working with a lot of people and she's actually really helping a lot of people improve their presence in the media because she is a media expert. She was on TV for 20 years. So if you really are looking to up your game for Zoom or anything, then she's the person to call. We had Susan Gans, who gives you a vacation <laughs> if you're a business owner, and that's Gans Strategic Solutions, and Gans is G-A-N-Z, strategicsolutions.com. 
And finally, Jake Kloberdans, who has this wonderful charitable foundation that happens to sell wine. <laughs> I would say a good wine, though. And it's onehopewine.com. So contact these people. If you can't figure out how to contact them, go to our website, passagetoprofitshow.com. We have their information there. And thanks to Noah, our producer at iHeart, Passage to Profit, The Inventor Show, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, Kenya Gibson. We'll see you next week. 